We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. As you can see, I am not in my normal studio right now. Instead, I'm coming to you from my hotel room here in Las Vegas. I'm here to cover the Lakers preseason games against the Phoenix Suns and Minnesota Timberwolves, which I'm also excited. That means I'm going to get to do some work out of the beautiful Blue Wire Studios at the Win in Las Vegas. So can't wait to get in there and do some shows from the studio. But here in Las Vegas to cover preseason action today, I want to break down what we need to see out of the Lakers in tonight's game against the Phoenix Suns, the things that we're going to be really looking for in this one. Before I dive into it, quick reminder, you can, again, watch the game directly with us over on Playback. You can watch the LakersNation.com stream of the game. Use the link in the description below. There is a cap on the room, so get in early so you can watch the Lakers Nation feed of the game. All right, so let's talk a little bit about tonight's preseason game, Lakers versus Suns. This is game two of the preseason for the Lakers. Obviously, they lost their last preseason game against the Kings by 30. That is not ideal, but we also have to look at that as really two separate games. We saw in the first two quarters, the first half of the game, you saw the Lakers with a more standard rotation. There were a few other players that were mixed in that probably wouldn't normally get minutes, guys like Max Christie. But for the most part, you saw LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis in a fairly typical rotation as though they were trying to win the game and then in the second half it was all about just getting minutes for the younger players and let's face it the Kings younger players with a mix of some of their veterans like Malik Monk was in there Davion Mitchell was in there those guys really took it to the young Lakers and swung what was a Lakers victory at halftime the the Lakers with their normal rotation in their starting rotation in were winning that game by the end the bench rotation had lost that lead and then some losing by a final tally of 105 to 75. Not an ideal situation, but I think we saw a lot of positive from that game, especially in those first two quarters. We saw the Lakers with some really exciting actions in their offense. We saw some things that were going on between Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, a lot of positives there to take away from this one. There were some miscues as well, but that's to be expected in preseason right now. So, The Lakers, again, I think we saw some good things for them. Can they continue those things into this game? And what specifically 
are we going to be looking for? Let's dive into it. The first thing we need to find is defensive rebounding from the Lakers in this game. Last game against the Sacramento Kings gave up 15 offensive boards. That's way too many. They were getting absolutely dominated there. A lot of problems whenever the primary big, whether that was Damian Jones, if it was Anthony Davis in this game in the first half, the second half, if it was Thomas Bryant, Wendell Gabriel in there. Whenever the primary rim protector would come out to challenge a shot, the Kings would have some other players crashing the glass and the Lakers, sometimes due to a lack of size, were really having a hard time keeping those bodies off the glass and keeping the offensive rebounds from being put back up and in. So what does Darvin Ham do strategically to adjust that situation? Is it just a matter of being a little bit more focused with their box outs? I want to see what adjustments the Lakers make to that problem tonight in this game. And I'll say this also, the Suns, their last game, they lost to the 36ers. No, not the 76ers, the 36ers, the Adelaide 36ers of the NBL. That is the Australian League. And the 36ers, they're an okay NBL team. They're not like the best NBL team out there or anything like that. And the Suns, who were the best team in the league record-wise last season, they lost to the 36ers. Now, the 36ers got hot behind the arc, but I think we're going to see a very focused Suns team in this game because they've been getting clowned on social media since dropping that game. A lot of people were making fun of the Phoenix Suns, so I have a feeling you're going to see an extra motivated Suns squad tonight against the Lakers, which could be a bad sign because this Suns team is very, very good. They're very talented. But with the Lakers playing back-to-back, this is another thing that we need to consider. They're playing back-to-back here in Las Vegas. And so I don't think you're going to see LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook play in both of these games. So I am curious to see what decisions uh, Darvin Ham makes with his rotation. Do we see is, is it mixed up a little bit? Do you see LeBron, AD, and Russ play together in one game and then sit the next? It's just, it's a poor decision to play back-to-back games in preseason anyway. It just encourages teams to sit star players because there's no reason to risk what a back-to-back puts your body through at this point in the season for a game that doesn't mean anything for the standing. So I'm anticipating that we won't see the three stars play in both games. We don't know yet which game we'll see them play in though, but my guess would be again, that Darvin Ham does decide to rest them for at least one of these two games. But again, Phoenix Suns should be extra motivated coming into this one, which means the Lakers are going to have to respond with plenty of energy in this game. And that was actually something I really liked in the game against the Kings. They The Lakers came out with energy, with effort. This didn't look like the same team that we've seen last season. This looked like a team that was really trying to get after it defensively. Now that's easy to do for one half of basketball. So I think we really need to remember the context here. We will hyper-analyze every little thing of these preseason games because we've been starved for basketball. We haven't seen the Lakers play since April. It's been ages since we've seen them get on the floor. So every little bit of information that we get is going to be hyper-analyzed. And we just have to be careful that we remember that this is not a big enough sample size for us to draw any meaningful conclusions from it. It's just kind of building up evidence towards a lot of different things that we're going to be keeping an eye on for the Lakers here in preseason. But one of the things that we're going to need to keep a close eye on, it's Russell Westbrook. Look, he has been the big story of the offseason. We've been talking about uh, his trade market all summer long. The Lakers have been trying to trade him. Heck, they were so close to trading him the night before media day. In fact, for people I spoke to, they thought this thing was going to get done. It looked like it was done. The Lakers were going to be sending Russell Westbrook to Indiana. And they were going to get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, both unprotected first-round picks. We're going to be going to Pawnee 
ultimately the Lakers didn't do it, couldn't get the Pacers to even toss in any second rounders, which what's that all about Pacers? It, look, I understand why the Lakers might be a little bit frustrated in this process. If you look at the way this negotiation went, went down initially, according to reporting, initially the Lakers were offering a first and maybe some seconds in exchange for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, of course, with Russell Westbrook going to Indiana. They negotiate back and forth for a bit. Suddenly Indiana says, nope, we're going to dig our heels in. We need both first unprotected or no deal. That's it. Both first unprotected or no deal. The Lakers come back and they say, hey, okay, look, we don't want to give both first, but we're coming around on this. Compromise with us a little bit here. Throw in some second rounders just so we get some draft capital coming back and let's make this happen. And the Pacers said, no, we won't even include second rounders. Really? You're going to lose a deal over second round picks? That tells you that the Pacers are very concerned with winning this trade, with getting everything they can out of the Lakers, and that they believed that ultimately the Lakers would cave due to the pressure of needing to move on from Russell Westbrook. Well, what if they don't need to move on from Russell Westbrook? What if they can still win games with him? I know that would seem far-fetched, right, based on what we saw last season and even on paper. You look at Russell Westbrook's fit with the Lakers, doesn't make sense. It's not a good fit. He's a guy who doesn't shoot threes well, doesn't defend well, putting him alongside LeBron James. It never made sense from day one. But I'll say this. Let's give Russ some credit. He was good in this past past preseason game against the Kings. I'm not saying he was perfect. Far from it. But he did some really nice things out there. I think we saw a lot more Attention to detail and effort on the defensive end of the floor, which Darvin Ham has made it crystal clear that if you are not successful on that end of the floor, if you're not putting in the effort, if you're not getting stops, you will not be in the game for Darvin Ham. He has promised that anybody who is not contributing on defense, they will be sitting their butt on the bench. And Russell Westbrook, to me, looked like a guy who took that to heart. We saw him making the extra effort on closeouts. We saw him paying more attention to his man off the ball. Now, I said it wasn't perfect. We also saw him a few times get lost, which we saw a lot of times last season. Russell Westbrook, when he gets back cut, when he gets too focused on the ball and his man relocates, what tends to happen, and you can watch for this in the game, what tends to happen is Russ, when he loses sight of his man, other members of the team will try to adjust in order to account for that extra player that Russ just lost. And then Russ kind of gets stuck trying to figure out exactly where the best place to put himself is on the floor after he's lost his man. And usually that's a struggle. He can't figure out where to go from there in order to put the defense back on track. It's almost like it's like his controller gets unplugged. And we did see that happen uh, once against the Kings where his man, I believe it was De'Aaron Fox, cut when Russ was looking away. Russ turned around. The Lakers had already kind of adjusted and he couldn't figure out where to go. And he wound up just kind of standing in center field there, unsure of what to do. But again, that's, that's one moment. For the majority of the game, I thought we saw a much better version of Russell Westbrook than we saw last season. Again, tiny, tiny samples and the tiniest of sample sizes. We're talking about he played, what, 15, 16 minutes in this game. So not enough to draw conclusions from, but so far, so good. We also saw better shot selection. It seemed like he was very determined to get to the basket. I think that was important as well. And on top of that, Russell Westbrook did take one pull-up jumper, 16 seconds left on the clock, 
But my hope is, seeing as he had success getting to the rim in this game, that some of Darvin Ham's ideas to open things up for him actually work, despite there not being much floor spacing out there for him. We saw Russ getting to the rim. We saw Russ getting into the paint and kicking out to Anthony Davis for three, kicking out to winning Gabriel behind the arc. He was actually collapsing the defense when he had a little bit of a, of a driving lane to work with. So some of Darvin Ham's ideas were working and putting Russ in more advantageous situations. So my hope is that he won't feel the need to take that 16, 17, whatever foot jumper when there's 16 seconds left on the shot clock, because that simply cannot happen. Now, Darvin Ham did address Russ's game after the game against the Kings and also addressed the trade rumors that continue to swirl around him. Here's what Darvin said after the game to the media, including Lakers Nation's Daniel Starkand. Two of Russ's three shots, just like straight downhill drives. Um, is that the kind of aggressiveness you've seen through most of training camp and uh, what you want to see from him? And then I guess like secondarily, I think Melissa asked for him about kind of his name being out there again today. Um, do you do you have a conversation with him? Have you had conversations with him about that specifically, or do you just kind of trust I mean, that he's been through it? Well, to answer the, answer the first part of your question, uh, yes, he he. That is how the offense and the running and the system is constructed, so he so that he can have those lanes as opposed to having five guys out on the perimeter, put an immediate threat at the rim. That automatically takes out one defender on the perimeter, so it opens up larger gaps for him to be able to attack downhill. And the thing I told him is, once you can see the gap. You know, no stationary dribbling. Everything has to be north and south. Go right toward the rim. On the second part of your question, Russ is a Los Angeles Laker. I'm the coach. We talk about Laker business, more specifically, the business of basketball that we have together in terms of how we're going to play, how he's going to be effective in the system. Any outside noise, we don't pay attention to it. It's pretty difficult when you have smartphones and all that now these days. But at the end of the day, I mean, since I got the job, he's been nothing but supportive, um, as as with Brian and AD as well. So we just coach our team. Our players listen to us. And they're trying to figure out this new system, both defensively and offensively. Any outside noise, it's, it, that comes, that's par for the course. I mean, it comes with the business. But he's a Los Angeles Laker the last time I checked. And, and I'm really not mad at that. And, and you know, he showed tonight, like, He's going to drive in this system, and, and, and that's about all I can say about that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
All right, so Darvin Ham talking about the way that he's opening up holes in the defense in order to get Russell Westbrook the ability to really get downhill and do what he does best, and that's using that burst that he's got to get into the paint and then either create a shot for himself or a shot for other people. I thought he had some pretty creative passes in last night's or the, the previous game against the Sacramento Kings. Can we see more of that against the Phoenix Suns? And I also like that Darvin addressed the situation with Russell Westbrook and these trade rumors because – like Russ, he was not great last season. You can argue that the best thing for the Lakers moving forward is to move on from Russell Westbrook. I think those are accurate things to say. I still think this roster needs to be balanced and probably moving on from Russ is going to be the way to do that. But I commend Russ for as for looking so bought in when he was on the razor's edge. I mean, he was just about to get traded, but a week ago. And then here he is going all out in Darvin Ham's system. Now, again, he's, his back is kind of against the wall in a way. He's on an expiring contract. He's going to be looking for a new deal next summer. That's all going to be important for him. But I want to see more of that out of Russell Westbrook. I want to see more of this bought-in version of Russ and see maybe Darvin Ham can indeed get a better performance out of him than what we saw last season under Frank Vogel. All right, next thing we need to get into is the chemistry between the stars on the team, between Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, what does that chemistry look like? Because one of the challenges last year was that even though they only played, what, a handful of games, 21 games, I believe they played together, LeBron, Westbrook, Anthony Davis, even so, when they were together, we never really saw any kind of cohesiveness. It was clunky. And again, on paper, on paper, it doesn't make a lot of sense, this fit Westbrook being the guy to join LeBron and Anthony Davis. If you could craft a player, do a creative player or something and put them next to LeBron and Anthony Davis, the ideal skill set would be somebody who can defend at a high level and switch between multiple positions defensively and be a dead-eye shooter from three. Those are the most important qualities for a player to have playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Russ doesn't possess either of those. So again, it's going to be a tough fit no matter what, but can these three guys find ways to work together? And they've had this mantra of get it and go right? Whoever it is that gets the ball needs to be in attack mode. And I think we saw that against the Kings. I'd like to see more of this against the Suns because I think the Lakers were rewarded for this with a little bit of success with doing what Darvin Ham was preaching, the get it and go mentality, the go after it, be aggressive and not worry about what somebody else is doing. Trust that if you're aggressive, good things will happen. I'd like to see more of that. We saw LeBron attacking the basket. Now he shot 0 for 7. In the previous game against the Kings, I'm not worried about LeBron at all. It's preseason. The guy is on track to break the all-time NBA scoring record this season. That's a record that we never thought would fall, and LeBron's on track to do it. I'm not worried about him putting the ball in the basket at all, but we did see him attacking a bit. Anthony Davis doing the same thing, attacking a bit, looking a little bit more comfortable, taking his shot, his outside three, which will open things up if teams know that AD is comfortable and confident shooting that shot from behind the arc. And we also saw Russ getting to the rim and opening things up for others that way. So I want to see that mentality continue in this game against the Phoenix Suns and see how these three guys can play off of each other. Because while there were some very nice moments, there were also some moments where one guy had the ball and everybody else on the floor stood around. It got stagnant. Expected in preseason. It's not all going to look perfect in preseason play. That's for sure. But I want to see what the Lakers can do to build off that aggressive mentality that we saw against the Kings. I also want to take a look at what's happening with Darvin Ham and his rotations. There was 
you could see moments in the previous game where Darvin Ham was just playing around, just throwing out different rotations just to see what works. Because that's the t- this is the time for it. It's preseason. It's time to experiment with rotations and find out if something works. We even saw for a bit there, we saw Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant on the floor at the same time. They were to a twin tower approach. We saw them together. A lot of mixing and matching. I want to see what adjustments does, Dar- does Darvin Ham make. If LeBron, Russ, and AD are playing, does he try a different combination in the starting lineup? Do we see Thomas Bryant starting at center? Do we see, I don't know, Austin Reeves, perhaps Lonnie Walker, if he comes back and is healthy? Do we see somebody else at the two in place of Kendrick Nunn? Not to say that Kendrick Nunn is not going to start when the regular season gets here or that Damian Jones is not going to start when the regular season gets here, but this is the chance to experiment with different lineups. So I'm curious to see what changes in the rotation and perhaps even in the starting five Darvin Ham makes and what results that yields. Also interested to see what happens with the guys who haven't played yet. And I'm talking about Lonnie Walker, Dennis Schroeder, and Troy Brown Jr. Now, Troy Brown Jr., I would say, is the least likely of those three to play. Was dealing with a back injury. Last we had heard was non-contact in practice, was just doing individual work. To me, that suggests that he is not very close to coming back and playing, at least not like he's playing tonight against the Suns. That would be my guess. Unless something has changed with his health status that we haven't heard about, my guess would be that we don't see Troy Brown Jr. tonight in this game. Lonnie Walker, however, did get in a full practice, and Darvin Ham was raving about how good he looked. Wouldn't shock me if we get to see him in this one, and what does that mean for the Lakers guard rotation? How does that change things? Dennis Schroeder, we know he should be getting into the country soon. Darvin Ham has talked about how he believes Dennis Schroeder can just be put right in. He's been playing high-level basketball in Europe, and I think he's going to be willing to toss Dennis Schroeder right into the mix. He's somebody who can take over some of those ball-handling roles for the Lakers, particularly with the second unit right now. We saw Austin Reeves, who I think can handle the basketball, but it looked like he was a little bit outside of his comfort zone in the past game. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see somebody else get an opportunity to set up and run the offensive. Schroeder is there. Obviously, he would be an immediate choice to do that. So I'm going to see how does the rotation change? And in particular, can these players that we didn't get to see get into the mix. And then beyond that, beyond those three guys that were out for their own reasons, two guys due to injury, one guy, Dennis Schroeder, out due to visa issues. What about some of the guys that we didn't see at all? Dwayne Bacon has done some things in the NBA. What about Matt Ryan? What about our guy, Jay Huff? I'd like to see these guys get a little bit of run. Darvin Ham was on purpose trying to keep his rotation a little bit shorter by preseason standards. Anyway, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a look at some of these guys. Jay Huff in particular, I think, is a guy that I'm really curious to get another look at because he showed so many things during Summer League. I want to see if that translates into preseason. Remember, big step up from Summer League play to preseason play. So I'm curious to see how Jay Huff can contribute out there. I'd like to see him get some run and the other players as well that we didn't get a look at again, including Dwayne Bacon and Matt Ryan. Wouldn't mind seeing those guys get into some action as well, because let's face it, the Lakers, they can leave no stone unturned and they do still have one open roster spot. I've said many times, I don't expect them to use it because of the luxury tax ramifications of using that spot and because of the flexibility that they would give up by not having that spot open. But if somebody really wows, maybe they do wind up giving somebody that 15th and final roster spot if they think there's a skill set there that can help them win games in season. By the way, the Lakers... Uh, we saw an incredible 
incredible performance last night when Victor Wembanyama took on Scoot Henderson. Absolutely incredible stuff. Teams around the NBA have got to be seeing that and thinking, yeah, the tank race is on. There's so much incentive right now for teams to tank and drop games. Maybe that changes the Pacers' minds about trading Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. That wouldn't surprise me if we start to see teams even more aggressively offloading players in an effort to lose as many games as possible and give themselves the best chance they can get at Wembyama or Scoot Henderson. These guys look like potentially generational talents that are going to be at the top of this draft next year. But the Lakers, because they have a pick swap this year, they have no incentive to tank. The Lakers, even if they wound up somehow in the lottery with the number one pick, the Pelicans would take that pick. The Pelicans have the right to swap picks with the Lakers. So the ideal situation for the Lakers is to be better than the Pelicans this year, at which point that pick swap would be worthless. The Pelicans, by the way, last night looked pretty good against the Chicago Bulls in preseason action. Zion Williamson back healthy. I think the Pelicans are going to be a really good team. So that's going to be a challenge for the Lakers. Should the Pelicans have a better record than the Lakers, which means the Lakers would then have a better draft pick, while the Pelicans will execute that swap right, and the Lakers will wind up with the worst pick out of the two. So again, ideal situation for the Lakers is you go ahead and you win as many games as you possibly can. They are very much not going to be in the tank race, which doesn't even need to be said with LeBron James on the team. But I know fans are buzzing after what they saw last night out of, out of Wemmeyama and Scoot Henderson. The Lakers are not in the mix to get either one of those guys. It's not something that's in the cards for them. They're going to go out there and try to win as many games as possible. If LeBron being on the roster assures that. But on top of that, even if they did try to tank, they don't have they can't get the number one pick. The Pelicans would take it in a pick swap. All right. Last thing that I'm looking for. It's a bounce back game from Kendrick Dunn and Austin Reeves. And Kendrick Dunn, there were moments where you could see the rust. He hasn't played in a year. Hasn't played in a game in a year. Dealt with the bone bruise. Was out all last season. But Darvin Ham has been raving about what he's seen out of Kendrick Dunn in practice. And I felt like we saw some flashes of that early on in the game. Darvin's been really excited about about the uh, defensive abilities of Kendrick Nunn. He's been pretty excited about what he's done on the offensive end as well. And we, while we saw some flashes, we also saw some, some shaky moments from Kendrick Nunn where you could just see that he hadn't been in a game in a while. And so I'm curious if we get a better look at Kendrick Nunn that really reflects what Darvin's been seeing in practice. That's what I want to see out of Kendrick Nunn is just a cleaner game, just progress. It doesn't have to be perfect. Everybody understands that he hasn't played in a while and it's going to take some time. But this is a guy that a lot of people were very excited about the Lakers getting two summers ago now for the price tag that they did. And then unfortunately, last season got wiped out. And that kind of changed our perspective on Kendrick Dunn. And a lot of people have dismissed how good he really is or forgotten anyway, how good he really is. So I'd like to see him really start to tap into that potential that he's got Again, we saw flashes in the last game, but do we see progress? And then Austin Reeves. I thought Reeves had an uncharacteristically shaky game uh, against the Kings. Looked like he got stuck between knowing when to pass and when to shoot a few times. Like he wasn't quite sure what he was trying to do on the offensive end of the floor. Did have a really nice drop-off pass to, I believe it was Wenyan Gabriel, for a dunk. But aside from that, I didn't feel like it, Austin Reeves really looked like himself. So I'd like to see a bounce back performance out of him as well, where he just looks a little bit more comfortable in the system and doing what he's being asked to do. Again, one game, tiny sample size. I'm not going to worry about it, but I'd like to see a bounce back performance from our guy, HBK. All right, Lakers Nation, 
Lakers versus Suns tonight. Remember, you can come watch the game over on Playback directly with us. Don't forget to subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And, of course, follow us over on Apple Podcasts as well. We'd love to get that five-star rating and review. Absolutely, absolutely phenomenal reviews have been coming in lately. I love going through and reading them. So if you wouldn't mind, leave us that review, that five-star rating, and, of course, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, everybody, stay safe and see ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.